0: Hello, and welcome back to Rehydrate. This season, we'll be reading and discussing Isaac Asimov's Foundation Trilogy. This is Season 6, Episode 6, Start of the Search, covering chapters 19 to 26 of Part 2 of the second book in the trilogy, Foundation and Empire, covering the entire book of Foundation and Empire. The hosts have varying levels of this series, and I am Dan, and I've only read up to this point.
1: I'm Talia. I've read um, short stories by Isaac Asimov before. I've only completed the reading up to this point, and I have a partner who watches The Foundation show, but I have not seen the TV show
2: yet. My name is Priya, and I have only read up to this point in the series, and I have also watched the entire first season of The Foundation show.
0: All right. Well, before we start, I wanted to just give a quick shout out to a new podcast that I found that talks about Uh, the remembers earth past trilogy the series talked about previously on the show um the show is called mind duck and they are splitting it up into four episodes they have one episode that is a spoiler free uh recap of the entire trilogy and then they said they're gonna do one episode per book which so the first episode's out i listened to it it's good Mm -hmm. and so i encourage everyone to listen to it it's uh, always good to get more podcast material on the books i think (laughs) But they did not like Wandering Earth. They really, really did not like it, uh, which is interesting because I thought it was pretty good. Uh, It's been a while since I've seen it. And it has sort of, I don't know, has big ideas in the same way that Remember It's Mm -hmm. Earth Past does. But yeah, I guess it is kind of silly in in some regards. But anyway, there's spoilers for that uh, movie and book if you're not interested in knowing those spoilers. But anyway, I recommend listening to the podcast and into the future.
1: Yeah. Congratulations to our friends at Mind Duck for. Uh, Reading this work, we're obviously so interested in. I have skimmed Wandering Earth because I confess, um, I did think it was underdeveloped as an idea. Or rather, as an author, I found the material more mature in the Remembrance of Earth's Past trilogy. But yeah, you can go listen to their episode and see their takes on it.
0: Yeah, I didn't actually read it. I only watched the movie and I, I saw it in the theater. And maybe maybe that's why I liked it because it was like in the theater. Mm. It was like, and like the visuals like, were pretty, I mean, they're not the best, like how it, it was made in China. And so like their their CG stuff isn't quite as good as like Hollywood stuff mm-hmm. as a general rule. I mean, like they can do stuff that's just as good, but hey, I've just like-
1: Hey, I watched Doctor Who from the 60s. So my threshold <laughs> is pretty low.
0: <laughs> yeah. A- anyway, so like the visuals were like, you know, it's a space thing and the whole earth moves and they they blow up, they do all the cool stuff. And, you know, there's not, anyway, there's a lot of cool stuff visually to look at. So maybe that's why my impression is more positive. And also it just like reminded me so much of uh, the assistant's writing. Like, Oh, it's like, so it's so, so similar. And I was like in the middle of reading these books. So anyway, recommend the podcasts. Um, I also wanted to call out a website that I found. um, I had been kind of manually creating the character descriptions and I kind of i missed my my own personal deadline for this time. So I found a website called, uh, funnily enough, Encyclopedia Galactica that covers uh, a good good list of pretty much all the characters and good descriptions for all of them. So I'll link that in the show notes here, and uh, we'll get into that once we talk about the characters. So a little bit of history about this section of the book. It's the same as last time. It's uh, just the second issue of the Astounding Science Fiction magazine, Uh, and so I will also link that into the the show notes here. And it was published in December of 1945. So let's talk about the summary for the end of Foundation and Empire. Four months after the fall of Terminus, Randu shares the same feeling of despair as the rest of Haven, and tells Ebling this to bring Beta, Torin, and Magnifico to Trantor in search of information about the second foundation. Captain Han Pritcher has spent the last four months on Terminus, working with the underground resistance, posing as a skilled nuclear worker, all in the service of finding an opportunity to assassinate the mule. When he finally gets a chance to sneak into the former mayor's office, it is not the mule that awaits him, rather the viceroy, who was aware of his plan all along and insists that Pritcher, like himself, will follow the mule one way or the other. The crew of the Beta is detained by a ship from the previously unknown kingdom of Felia. Magnifico says that he swears that he saw a aboard the ship and theorizes that he must have escaped and is trying to avoid the mule, which is why he didn't make himself known. The crew stops at a planet close to Trantor called Neo-Trantor that's ruled by Dagobert IX, an elderly man who is easily manipulated primarily by his son and a powerful landowner named Comison. While the crew gets permission from Dagobert IX to go to Trantor, they're imprisoned by Comison and Dagobert X, who has sinister plans for Beta. Magnifico takes exceptions to these plans and uses his business owner to play a song that ultimately kills Dagobert X, and the crew flees and makes their way to Trantor. At the University of Trantor, one of the few spots that was not destroyed in the Great Sack, Evelyn Miss gets to work in his search for the Second Foundation and works tirelessly day and night despite his rapidly failing health. They're met at the university by Han Pritcher, who is now a colonel in the service of the mule. However, he's just there to tell him that he knew the, mutu- the nature of the mule's mutation, he has the ability to manipulate people's emotions, which is how he is able so easily to conquer the Foundation and gain allies in such a short amount of time. He assures them that the Mule knows of their endeavor and warns them of its futility. Undeterred, Evelyn Miss, having already discovered the nature of the Mule's mutation on his own, continues to work to discover the secret location of the Second Foundation. On his deathbed, he is convinced that the Second Foundation is the key to defeating the Mule and is ready to reveal the location of to Beta, torn and Magnifico, But before he can, Beta takes out her blaster and kills Miss. Torrin initially believes that Beta had been won over by the mule, but is the opposite of the truth. Beta had figured out that the mule had been with them the entire time, posing as the court jester Magnifico. Magnifico, or the mule, tells them that he had been emotionally manipulating Torrin to misdirect him from the truth and Miss to make him work himself to death. But because of Beta's sincere liking of Magnifico, he wanted to keep that natural feeling, but it ultimately led to his downfall. Undeterred, the mule lets Beta and Torrent go, convinced that he can find another way to find and defeat the Psycho Foundation before they can defeat him.
1: Uh, in addition to our usual cast of characters, I want to remind you that Beta is the name of a character and also the name of the ship, the beta Right.
0: It is confusing. They should have <laughs> named it something, something different, but yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> it's easy to tell when you read it because it's italicized. But we also had some new characters, and I can remind you of them here. We have Orem Pali, a member of the Democratic Underground on Terminus, known as the Fox. Dagobert IX, Emperor Dagobert IX, is one of the last emperors of the Galactic Empire. Dagobert X, the Crown Prince of neo Trantor. George Camison, the largest landowner on Neo-Trentor. Inchney, once a lord on Trantor before the Great Sack, who became private slave to George Camison on neo Trantor and agent of the Mule. Lee Center, leader of the group on Trantor.
0: Okay, well, let's get into general impressions. So, first yeah. of all, I want to—I've talked a lot about my version of spoilers and how much I hate them, and they're totally justified by me having no idea <laughs> what was happening and being totally surprised by by the mule reveal. I mean, beyond my, my my ignorance and like not paying attention enough, or uh, I'm usually not good at like kind of knowing things that happen before they happen. I don't know how I avoided this spoiler for what how. Are, like 60 years or 70 years since the, the book came out. Um, That's right. Or 80 years almost, right? 70 be 70. You just read us the
1: history. How long ago was December 1945,
0: Dan? Well, not good at math, but yeah, it should be <laughs> se- 77 years, right? Happy um, New Year, everyone. It has been a yeah. long time. Anyway, I somehow avoided it my entire life, uh, not knowing it. Um, and this is like a pretty, pretty big series. And like I read the As- Asimov Reddit, and I, I don't, I somehow avoided the spoiler. So I was very, very happy to, uh, oh. to kind of be in the moment and be like, "Whoa, the mule is magnifico." So, anyway, let's go with the general impressions, and let's go with Priya first.
2: I guess that's like props to the people in that, uh, in the Asimov Reddit that they haven't uh, spoiled it, right? They, they might interior.
0: have. I or maybe I was may really good at avoiding spoilers even when they're written in front of me.
2: <laughs> ah, your your eyes just glaze over when you come across a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a built-in defense system against spoilers. I wish I had that.
0: <laughs> and I I'm I, you know, I'm even like uh, I even had to look at the end of the chapter to like mark it in my book to like where to stop. Even though it's this is kind of easy, but usually I have like a system where like, I go mark at the end of the book, and I could have just as easily seen like them, you know, something at the end of it. So very happy I I avoided you, it.
2: <laughs> you guys, I uh, speaking of spoilers, and this is completely unrelated. I will get back to the topic at hand, but um, recently uh, the Spider Man movie came out, and I was oh, like dodging. Come on. Spoilers left first, and right was the first impressions of this chapter lead <laughs> off with impressions of this chapter i will i will that was a spoiler dodging extravaganza for me anyway i actually loved this section and i loved the big reveal even though i had guessed it after um Magne- and i'm about to spoil the ending right now so Um, I guessed it after uh, Magnifico used his fizzy sonar to kill the prince. I had been suspicious by, like, every time they kept referring to him as, like, a monster. I, like, immediately that brings to mind, like, the stereotypical descriptions of mutants as being, like, you know, deformed in some way. Mm. So I I felt like that was a little bit of, like, a, a clue. But I think it was still satisfying to get that reveal at the end like because it's satisfying to see like this meek scared sort of character suddenly just like transform to a completely different tone and in that sense i think it was really um good to have read or like heard that part in uh as an audiobook because like the reader did a good job shifting from like the timid voice of um magnifico to the more confident and Mm. calm voice of the mule and it's kind of the way that I would have envisioned the mule to speak as in like just a calm matter of factly tone so um that came across really well in audiobook format it was a very interesting um character development that happens even in that bit of exposition at the end or like character revelation to the reader if that makes sense
0: Yeah, that's interesting that the the audio cue was was so different. I I just found the quote when they he does change and it says, He seemed no longer a grotesque, his pipe stern limbs, his beak of a nose lost their humor compelling qualities, his fear was gone, his bearing was firm. So yeah, like he seems like it totally changed. So it's interesting that they they changed the I mean, it makes sense that like they had like a a separate not a separate voice, but like a more confident voice. And he's, yeah, probably playing this the whole time.
2: I found it really interesting, um to uh go more into like detail in this section is that there's repeated mentions of how although his demeanor changes um his like sad brown eyes stay the same so Mm. that was interesting to me
0: i think that even though it was like a pretty surprising reveal i going back and rereading it again they totally he totally set it up right like it's 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 totally earned like it's not it's out of nowhere and like he hit it really well but, like, if you look back on it, having known that he's the mule, then it, it everything falls in line.
2: Yeah, I think so too. And
1: that is exactly what a big reveal should be. It should not be a reveal for the sake of a reveal. It should right. be, you know, clever and borne out by the text. And I think that's exactly what happens here at the end of Foundation and Empire. And can we just talk about how fun this one was to read? I thought this was really, really lively text. This paid off in a really big way. The reveal uh, was worthwhile and foreshadowed. And I think you can legitimately read it having guessed it and legitimately read it having not guessed it because that's the nature of a story like this. I, yeah, really liked it.
0: I was a little confused the first time I read it from the parts that shifted to the new part, like the, to Neo Trantor and and when they first got onto, onto Trantor with the group and everything. Oh, is that
1: like chapter 23 that sort of like dropped in there with the cigars? the cigars
0: i don't remember <laughs> now i don't remember the cigars
1: <laughs> it seemed very random
0: <laughs> yeah but like the whole the whole part on neo trantor when like mm-hmm. they get in prison and like they yeah they they talk about yeah like the line of succession between the the people and like i didn't really understand like how it all worked um so it was confusing to read it the first time
2: i think that has been my whole problem with the series so far is that these like they, they they travel to a bunch of different places and have long conversations in a bunch of different places while some actions are also happening in the background or at the, towards the end of like a long conversation. So it kind of like jumbles up my mind a little bit and keeping track of like what's happening when, you know?
0: Yeah. And he seems to just drop right into the new worlds and start a new chapter. Right. And you had to kind of readjust yourself. I'm like, all right, These aren't people I know. I got to figure out who's who and who's doing what and who's doing why. But yeah, I think overall I agree with you, Talia. Like this is a really fun read. And uh, I was enthralled the the entire time I read it. I read it actually on New Year's Eve (laughs) right before before midnight.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So in in more than one way, this reminds me of the Joss Whedon show Dollhouse. So um, we'll be discussing Dollhouse uh, if you are super spoiler-averse. But there is the same sort of structure where the dolls activated, you know, clones, robots, the details escape me, but programmable humans essentially are dropped into different worlds to accomplish tasks. And so it's built into the structure that you're joining new worlds and having new situations and new tasks. And I think it's done pretty well in Dollhouse. And I can see that being adapted really successfully I haven't seen Foundation so we'll see if that's the choice that they make Uh, but you can work with the uh, sporadic nature of the plot and additionally their big reveal of a rogue alpha is Alan Tudyk who if you've seen in other roles does have quite this chameleon quality in which he's able to change his demeanor and obviously they don't change his appearance at all but it's just about Mm -hmm. their poise and how they carry themselves and their vocal change that I think could be pulled off really effectively without needing to do like take off the glasses, shake out the hair, or like ripping off a face mask and revealing that the clown was actually the mule. I think that could be accomplished through, you know, strong foreshadowing and strong acting. So this gives me a lot of hope for the adaptation, a lot of excitement. And go watch Dollhouse. It's slept on.
0: I think I mentioned this last one or previously, but the usual suspects and Kaiser Soze, like it's uh-huh. you know a, a very similar reveal. You know, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm maybe it was even inspired by this. Then I wouldn't doubt it, right?
1: That's like our asterisk on every bit of pop culture we try and reference. We're like, oh, it reminds me of this, but it yeah. was probably inspired. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, this came before everything. Well, before before a lot of things. So yeah, probably
1: everything's
2: inspired
0: by this one
2: I'm well I'm later gonna make a reference to something that this didn't come before oh well we'll <laughs> hold our breath and wait until we get there oh uh, well it's interesting that you mentioned dollhouse because um I am like a huge fan of Buffy and Angel and I know that um Eliza Dushku Correct. I don't know if I'm saying her name right she's in dollhouse right I've been always meaning to that's what I'm saying It
1: slept on everyone's seen Buffy
2: yeah, I know. I, I, I couldn't get into Firefly, but I've heard really good things about I know everyone loves Firefly, but I couldn't get into that. But I've heard great things about Dollhouse, House, so I'll have to check it out since mm. you bring it up here.
1: Yeah, nice. So I know we did want to, or at least I definitely wanted to speak about the aspect of the mule, which we've been talking about since we've been introduced to this character, which is that he's a mutant, and we, we do finally get the reveal as Dan read for you in the summary, that this mutation comes in the form of uh, emotional manipulation, emotional control, or as it's borne out in its execution, really more like mind control.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I figured it was some kind of mind. I mean, I think we, we spoke as so much last time, like it, it, the, he's using some kind of mind control to, and I forget one of one of you said uh, that that may be why they surrendered so quickly on on, on terminus. And it makes more sense now, like, th- that the mule wasn't so far away. He was in the room, you know, yeah. manipulating, manipulating them. I was like, oh, okay, that and, makes well, sense. That's
1: what's so cool It's like, oh, yeah, and there he was, and there he was.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's funny how, like, Beta says, like, do you ever notice how we're just slipping out of each situation? Like, we just happen to get out of Haven, we just happen mm-hmm. to get out of here. <laughs> I'm like, why would that be?
2: <laughs> that's true. You know one thing one thing that did throw me was that I honestly thought it was gonna go in the direction of um this whole mutation thing being sort of a myth and uh-huh. that he's been controlling everyone using like the technology within the Visi sonar uh the whole time. If and this so were written like-
1: by Tsushin Liu, that would be it. It would be like surprise <laughs> right. it was tech the whole
0: time. Yeah, it was like totally. you know. <laughs> it, it, the Visa Sonar was actually in the, you know, fifth dimension or something. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and And there's actually also like a moment where um the way that beta describes the feelings that she gets when um she hears like the fizzy sonar's song and sees the images the way she describes them kind of also reminded me of the way that um now I'm forgetting the names, you know the character in uh one of the i think it was in death's end the the one who's in the, like, like the book begins in like olden times and she's like she has entered like the the fourth dimension and she says oh, like yeah. everything becomes open to me it was in constantinople mm-hmm. yeah, yeah in constantinople
1: yeah. yeah you're saying that the way that the Visi sonar makes beta feel reminded you of
2: the way that she described how being in fourth dimensional space makes her feel like this weird sensations where she can't like, she doesn't quite have the language to describe what she's looking at and what she's experiencing. And I think it's like fascinating because we also don't quite have the language to describe how fourth dimensional space would look like. And the visi sonar and the feelings that it evokes kind of is almost like a similarly ineffable feeling so when you guys are like joking and saying oh like the visi sonar <laughs> is like in the fourth dimension i was like yeah i figured that like it would end up being that the visi sonar has some like crazy technology that only the mule was able to create because like he's basically just a genius and he d- he's not actually a mutant with like superpowers but like his superpower is like his like brain uh, this was your like long conspiracy before the reveal. Yeah, this is my <laughs> conspiracy theory where I thought like, uh, the, like I see. yeah, I thought that Magnifico would be the mule, but I also thought that the reveal, there would be another reveal, which is that he's not controlling them via mutation, but via just the technology of the Visi owner. But that didn't happen. <laughs>
1: um, but, but just to expand on the text a little bit more, the emotion control is explained to them um, and in essence to the reader as being able to manipulate both despair to make someone surrender really quickly and also faith and loyalty. So we saw this foreshadowed a little bit when we were, you know, meeting with the emperor who only keeps weak generals because strong generals are a danger to him. Uh, They're only a danger if you cannot convert them and persuade them to your side. But to the mule, it's, you know, if you, thinking in terms of graph theory you just find one strong general one node convert him and then automatically you get everyone underneath him because he does seem to hint at or allude at maybe we'd see this in an adaptation that it costs him something to control others Um, Mm. I'm not sure how much but obviously he wants to be efficient in taking over the galaxy so I thought that was not exactly similar to the application of the mental seal in remembrance of earth's past but definitely made me think about it enough to write it down in the notes
0: yeah he talks a lot about it seems like his whole motivation really is just like from being slighted when he was like a child from being ostracized from society basically um yeah. so he's like well it's my turn now so what I'm did gonna you think
1: about f- that as motivation
0: i mean it's yeah it's fine i guess i mean If you have something like that and, you know, like you want, and and he has some desire for power and for revenge, it seems. But he also seems to have the streak of like, well, I'm going to make the galaxy a more peaceful place, right? Like that's always like the evil ruler thing. Like, well, I'm going to do it right this time. (laughs) I
1: thought they were trying to wear two different shoes at the same time. I thought it was a bit weak to have the motivation be, here's my childhood. I was bullied and also... I am literally doing what Harry Seldon said, so you can't tell me I'm wrong. Like, I think Mm -hmm. they could really pick something stronger and run with that, so I wouldn't mind that being adapted. But it didn't take away from the payoff for me. I just, I know that Mule has a good time soliloquizing about why he is the way he is, but they could give him better content. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Doesn't it also kind of, um, now that that, that I was thinking in terms of, like, remembrance of Earth's past, doesn't it also remind you kind of of how um, the Tricelarans function, like how they, um, like their motivations in a sense and how they, their downfall is kind of that they don't understand human emotions that well. And it's interesting how in the end, the mule says that my emotions played me false, though I was a master of others. So it's kind of like, Like, his downfall is that he can't, like, he finds this anomaly in Beta's emotions that he doesn't have to really control them. So he kind of, like, that. that's, like, his one blind spot that, like, it kind of reminded me of, like, the Trisalarans have sophons everywhere. They can see everything, but they still have, like, blind spots that humans are able to eventually manipulate. Mm -hmm. But even, and this is
1: my last comment, and I promise we can move on. I think that the Trisolaran motivation is instantly comprehensible. Like, why would they come to Earth and conquest? Because they can. That, that's enough. And so even for the mule to say, I discovered my power, therefore I could take over the galaxy, so there I am taking over the galaxy in the most efficient way possible, would have been enough for me. I don't know if anyone's going to be on my side about that.
2: I agree. I I think that but I think it it also hinges upon something greater, which is that he felt as if um, he was treated like a freak. Uh, He said, um, one of his quotes is to have a mind and understanding and to be a freak like that is just like the the thing that ultimately, like he can't let go of is that like, I am like better technically than everybody else, but (laughs) I am treated like a freak. So I think that like you see that in the real world too, right? Like some people who are, who are bullied as kids, they grow up to have like deeper empathy. And some people who are bullied as kids end up becoming bullies themselves. So I think I think his motivation made a lot of sense to me. Um and then if we're likening it to the Tricelarans, um not that I condone it, but <laughs> <laughs> but if you're if we're likening to the Tricelarans, we're like, yes, they do it because they can, but also because they're trying to escape from like a planetary system that's like constantly killing them. So, <laughs> literal and figurative like, you know, something that's constantly killing you and
0: yeah, I would say I, it didn't bother me. I guess when I was reading it, that you know, his motivation of just being bullied is you know to want to take over the galaxy. It seemed kind of I want to say cliche, but like I you know that we've heard that story before. But again, you know, we haven't heard that story before. This I'm mean on
2: the show. He'd back me up. Yeah. <laughs> this just this is like not really adding any value to this discussion. But like it reminded me of um, I'm sure everyone's read the Scarlet Letter spoilers for the scarlet letter that amazing piece of american classic literature <laughs> um i think i read it like when, in uh, high school or something so it's been a, yeah. it's been a while <laughs> I had to even like look up the name of one of the characters that I'm about to reference because it's been so long. But um, there's basically, you know, the story is about a woman who um, is being punished because she's committed adultery. And um, everyone knows that she's committed adultery because her husband has been away for some time. And her husband is a much older man named Roger Chillingworth. And he comes back to town and he somehow he knows who the man is whom she committed adultery with and he like slowly 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 um kind of kills him he he weakens him over a period of time with like i think like medicines or whatever because he's a doctor and he claims to be treating him but he is he is actually weakening him and what what the mule does to me reminded me of that because he's kind of like you know in overworking him he's not just like overworking him to exhaustion but he talks about um how like the efficiency of the mind is what he taps into that like you know a normal mind will work at like 20% efficiency which is technically low efficiency and he just like pushes the mind to work at like a higher efficiency and that ultimately like kind of just cripples the mind and body in a sense. Um, if my understanding of what I was reading was even correct. So it just kind of reminded me of like this slow, like leech like relationship that, um, that character had in the scarlet letter with, uh, what the mule is doing to me, which is interesting to me.
0: I wanted to talk more about beta's motivation for keeping, um, you know, how she was able to mm-hmm. keep it a secret, because she obviously knew, uh, you know, for some time ahead of time that the mule was the mule. Just pulling out the quote, uh, I know Priya, you had a bunch of notes on this, but looking at the quote, it says, um, she, she says, I plan on killing meats before we could talk. I planned it secretly, as secretly as I could. So secretly, I didn't dare to tell it to myself. I could have killed the mule himself, but I couldn't take the chance. He would have noticed, and I would have lost everything So this part was also a little bit confusing to me when I read it. It seemed like if she knew he was the mule, like she was taking a pretty big risk by you know by still letting meese do his work and uh, you know potentially finding out you know, the mule finding out the the secret, you know like mm. killing killing meese right in front of her, like you know waiting till that moment. I, I, I think I get it, but th- that part was what was a little suspect for me.
1: Well, I believe that she suspected it, but it's really hard to prove something like that. And is it worth, yeah. you know, outing everything? Um, I think I understood her motivations. And despite what she tells herself, like that she would have killed the mule if she could, I just didn't really buy her as the as the killing type. Um, later, well, she does Magnifico <laughs> says that, you know, he's, it's not that... Not controlling her is also his downfall. like it's the very cornerstone of his downfall is that he can't control her because she genuinely isn't repulsed by him, and that's so strong to him that's so valuable to him. So I just don't know if a person who doesn't view him with revulsion or as a monster would actually like kill him from some sort of hate or violent. Uh, notion even if she believes him to be you know her enemy I just don't see that that's something she could pull off so to me it did make sense that she would only act when absolutely forced to and she was afraid that the foundation would be compromised and that's when she acted
0: but do you think that opinion and you know, outlook on him changed when she knew he was a mule like obviously she didn't like him anymore you know
1: and but I don't she know didn't if know for sure until yeah he revealed it and she'd already taken action.
0: Yeah, it would have been bad if uh, if he wasn't the mule and she had killed him. Oh,
2: man. Whoops. I think she was pretty sure um, that he was the mule. But I think where she succeeds is that she has done a lot of, like, calculations in her mind that are actually very smart. But at the same time, I think that a lot of her success hinges upon something that she actually doesn't know, which is that he isn't controlling her emotions and he isn't he hasn't been like reading her mind the way he reads other people's minds and i think that if he was doing that then no matter how carefully she had planned and how how carefully she had you know worked this out in her mind i think he would have figured it out and he would have stopped her plan but i think that the only way for her to succeed is the fact that it rests on the premise which she doesn't know which is that he's not controlling her mind and if he was this would all fall apart i wouldn't buy it if he was you know and or mm. i w- I also wouldn't buy it if they said like s- for some bizarre reason he couldn't control her mind like you know in yeah. twilight oh, i was bizarre just bizarre thinking reason, like crazy. that corny twilight excuse <laughs> literally <laughs> that was my reason. exact thought you know, um, for some reason, Edward can't read Bella's mind because yeah, he loves her so much sure. and she has to be there as a weakness. But I think it's 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 a lot more compelling that he mm-hmm. chose not to do that. Right. right? And right. I think And it's yeah. not something
1: that works because he doesn't control her. It's something that works because of who she is. It's the reason that he doesn't control her. It's like he that's so true, yeah. seductive. It's so powerful that he does not have to. And I think that's what really makes it work. And also just Uh, validates my appreciation of the character work in this book as opposed to what we had been seeing because it's comprehensible to me. It's not something I share with him. I don't feel the same way, but it is completely borne out by the text. And I think that's a real mark of success.
0: Yeah, just going back to like the his backstory about how he was like mistreated and no one liked him. And, you know, this is the only person who's ever shown him any kind of compassion. So he wants to maintain that at any cost.
1: Yeah. Real Snape and Lily tail. Yeah. (laughs) That's the only one you'll ever get out of me. At least, at least I got that one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, You are a secret Harry Potter fan, just like me. (laughs) and i'm not so secret but yeah i think i think in terms of the character work i i totally agree with you because it it becomes a situation that's born out of conscious choices that are made versus everything relying upon this like you know chance and and this uh, almost like supernatural type of ability to control the mind Uh, the the one thing that I don't buy is that no one in his life has ever been nice to him except for beta (laughs) like I don't want to I don't want that perspective of humanity that every single person he's encountered so far is a jerk to him (laughs) And then along comes Beta, and she's the only person who, as he said, um, she said she liked me without my having to juggle her emotions, which was really mm. sweet. But at the same time, it was like, really, like, this is the first person you found? Um, that's kind of grim.
0: Okay, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the actual scene of um, Ebling this getting killed and i thought it was pretty interesting especially the way it was written it took me a couple reads actually like i like read the paragraph and like i read it again i was like what's going on so like the the actual the uh, quote says uh beta fa- face frozen white lifted her blast there and shot with an echoing clasp of noise from the waist upward miss was not and a ragged hole was in the wall behind from mm-hmm. numb fingers beta's blaster dropped the top drop to the floor so like the the phrasing there was pretty strange <laughs> i thought uh but once i read it i was like Whoa! Like she killed him, and like for me, because I'm dumb, I thought like, well, maybe bait is the mule. <laughs> that, that was my thought, and I think <laughs> I think Torin kind of thought something about not right. that she was well, a mule, but your like
1: wife with a blaster, like having killed your friend.
0: Yeah, and I was like, whoa, bait is the mule? That's crazy. <laughs> but then, like thinking about it, like why the hell did the bait, mule kill Miss, and then I find a second Venation. <laughs> that's that's dumb thought. That was oh. the first thought that came to my mind.
2: <laughs> that's funny. Um. I I literally had to um rewind the audio like like a minute or two and then go all the way back and I was like did I hear that right? I need to just go back and like <laughs> replay that scene. <laughs> and Oh yeah, um, Priya. Yeah.
1: I forgot I wanted to tell you I tried listening to some of this on audiobooks. So I was like, oh, I want to finish something and I don't have my hands free and copy of the foundation that i have like you need two hands to hold it open or else it snaps shut and i didn't have two hands anyway i was trying to listen via audio no chance i had to stop like every two seconds i was like wait a minute what go back what (laughs) because i found myself when i would read i would often just like pause and uh look away or think about things and for me the audio did not work for this book at all so i commend (laughs) you
2: I think that the audio would definitely not have worked at all for the first book for me because I I struggled with the first book so much. But I think the fact that I found the characters and this book a lot more interesting, it helped me to stay engaged to the audio because I know I know exactly what you're talking about with the audio. Like you find yourself kind of like uh, in my case, I, I don't know if that's what you're saying, but in my uh-huh. case, I found myself uh, tuning out at parts. Like if I was trying to multitask, I would tune out uh, repeatedly in what I was listening to. So I would have to keep going back. But um, I've just had like such an eventful past few weeks with like my move and stuff that I felt like I needed to have some capacity to multitask. So I just been listening to this book on audiobook. But for the next one, I might switch back to like reading on my uh, Kindle because I feel like I was missing a lot of parts where, you know, like the earlier when Dan said like some some parts were a little confusing, like some scenes, and that confusion is definitely more um, pronounced when you're listening on audiobook.
0: Yeah, I think especially, yeah, I listened to the first one on audiobook and I was always like kind of in and out like i would like listen to it and like start thinking about something and then like oh wait i'm listening to this book what happened
2: (laughs) yep same but you know what i did in the past uh, towards the like uh second half of the section that we read i just like locked myself away in a room and just like lay on a couch and just like listened and i just all i had was like my notebook on me just like writing down notes that's yeah to do it (laughs) it really doesn't free you up to multitask at all.
1: (laughs) I promise this is not like planned or intentional, but it was around exactly this time last year uh, when I was listening to The Remembrance of Earth's Past on audiobook, having already read the book. But the reason I found the audiobook so powerful and so gripping, I think, is that I was driving in this Tesla from Georgia all the way back to New York. So I had a long drive. And the car was driving itself, but I still needed to be like somewhat focused on the road, so it was like just enough focus that I had something else to do and then the other eighty percent of my brain was the audiobook, and I was like, "This is so gripping. this is exactly what I need and those hours just flew by. but yeah, my normal life is not compelling enough for me to um, be able to listen to audiobooks with that kind of success.
2: <laughs> yeah uh, i I will say like some sometimes like it it also depends so much on like the reader um mm-hmm. because course, like no when doubt. I was yeah like when I was watching um i I was listening to project we i i had a book, the paper copy, and I had the audible version of uh project Hail Mary, and I started reading the um paper copy, but then I started listening to the audiobook during a drive, and I was like oh no, 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 this has to be listen to versus read on the page. So there are some books that are just like that and like I guess they're read a certain way and makes it like that. But this one I think I would err more on the side of reading it, reading the text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think especially for Ebling this is death scene, because you know you can feel in your hands that there's so few pages left and you know oh, like everything's yes. been building and there's something big coming up. I thought it was just well, I already said the head of the podcast. It was just a very satisfying payoff. And I can speak a little bit about when I knew or suspected the twist. It was, I don't know if it counts as foreshadowing because I could tell like one page before it was revealed, but it's technically still before. And it was in the behavior of Ebling Miss. And this really stayed with me. Uh, this is for context, after reasoning that the second assumption of psychohistory, which is that Selden ha- assumed that men's reactions are constant. If that assumption must be proved false, because the first assumption about men is um, disproved. And I was just like, the economic theory was coursing, and Miss is very calm, and he's revealed his knowledge of the mule's mutation. And he's stating his ability to understand these things deeply and says, This and more comes so easily. I seem to recall the time when so much was a mystery to me, and now things are clear. Problems are absent. I come across what might be one, and somehow, inside me, I see and understand. And my guesses, my theories, always seem to be borne out. There's a drive in me, always onward, so that I can't stop. And I don't want to eat or sleep, but always go on. It's Eblingness working himself to death. And that's what clued me in. Like, something else is happening. This behavior is being controlled by something else and the only people in this room are beta and the clown <laughs> so that was like the heart racing moment
0: yeah i didn't i didn't get that at all when i was reading it it just seemed like he was like super dedicated to you know like when the people get in the zone you know that's what i was thinking of like he was just like in the zone of like uh his research and like he's just so in the in the psychohistoric equations and that kind of thing mm-hmm. i figured he's, that's where he was and like you yeah, know, to the point where he just wasn't paying attention to his health and not eating.
1: So because he's relatable, it means that we've never been manipulated, Dan?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've probably definitely been manipulated, but.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> 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 um, yeah,
2: I, that's interesting Um, because uh, I think this was uh one of those scenarios where um the audio did help me because uh, – Uh, leading up to the scene of uh, Mesa's death, the way that the reader reads Beta's lines, it it sounds like she's almost descending into a state of madness. Her tone becomes very erratic. Hmm. that, That kind of clued me in To like one of two things, either she and everyone is like being controlled remotely by the by the mule. Either everyone is being controlled by the mule or she is like up to something and she's kind of like trying to hide it. Like that was like the two possibilities that came to mind for me. Uh, And that tone definitely was interesting to hear the reader like perform accurately, I guess. Yeah.
0: So finally, the last thing I want to talk about or just I have I found like an interesting quote is sort of. You know, we have a common trope of people doing exposition dumps and, you know, the mule does that here at the end of it, but he sets it up, which I think is nice of him. Uh, <laughs> and he says, he said, tolerantly, seat yourselves, go ahead. You might as well sprawl out and make yourselves comfortable. The Game's over. And I'd like to tell you a story. It's a weakness of mine. I want people to understand me. There was a just interesting quote that I, I thought kind of explained why he's like going to like this page, you know, chapter long explanation of like why he did what he did.
2: Yeah, I think um, I think that's that that was a little funny, like sprawl yourselves out. I'm about to yeah. <laughs> have a monologue. <laughs> like I said,
1: can't resist soliloquizing. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's our weakness, too. We like people to understand us. Please check out rehydrate.space for released episodes, reading lists and pronunciation guide. Leave us comments by emailing us at rehydrate at fastmail.com or on Twitter at rehydratepod. Please join us next episode for Season 6, Episode 7, The Search by the Mule, covering Part 1, Chapters 1 through 6 of Second Foundation by Isaac Asimov.